Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings, traveler. Come warm yourself by the fire and let us regale you with mighty tales, tales of adventure, tales of heroism, tales of Tamriel. I am your host, Ajelos, the founder of the Dungeon Crawler Network, and, well, just just all-around awesome guy, I guess. Yeah, that's how I'm going to say it. <laughs> modest. You forgot modest. Modest, yes, obviously modest. Uh, we are in-game yet again for another episode because it's a lot of fun, honestly. We're having a lot of fun doing this, and for some reason, I enjoy it. And plus, you know, uh, our, our two co-hosts are pretty much in their pajamas, either one going to bed and one waking up. The one who's going to bed, the pastry chef himself, Arkanir. How are you? Hello. Hello. I'm doing good. Well, uh... How's Aside this? from the fact that I almost missed the show, sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> how uh, how are those sweet rolls? Oh, it's good. It's yeah. good. It yeah. doesn't. It, it's useless, but it's good. Yeah. When Akatosh blesses thou with a sweet roll. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. When I was expecting a, expecting an item that will change the game, I got a sweet roll. Yes. Yes. Which I'm not complaining. You know, it's yeah. a sweet roll. I At mean, least uh, you didn't win the game though, eat. so. Yeah. yeah. It was a sweet defeat. <laughs> it was a sweet defeat. While I'm crying in my corner, at least I got a sweet roll. You know, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. So if anyone's wondering, Arkanir has been streaming uh, TES Legends lately, and uh, he made a clip of the example of the type of RNG that he tends to have in games. It's quite heartbreaking, honestly. <laughs> Uh, maybe maybe he'll talk about it later. You know, if, if he wants to, to you, you can add that to your gameplay. Yeah. It's Elder Scrolls related. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Um, so yeah, I I mean I'll probably talk a little bit about Legends as well since you know it's the awesome toilet game that it is now. So, <laughs> uh, and I'm not saying that it's a you know a crap game. I'm literally saying now that it's on phone, I can play it while I'm on the toilet. So therefore, I play it a lot. 
uh that other voice the one who always hears about my bath tacos that would be blood eye how are you blood eye Hello. i'm good how are you guys good good feel like a bath taco <laughs> no no you're, you're okay with that I have some toast though a toast early. bath toast no toast <laughs> no no normal toast normal oh, what, what's the point of that my goodness <laughs> i don't even know what's going on at that point uh, so for those of you who are just joining in, welcome, welcome. I see the chat room. So thank you so much for showing up. You guys are great. Uh, this is our 150th episode, guys. 150. Oh, yeah. Whew. A lot of podcasts don't make it this far. So it's uh, it's a nice milestone to have, you know. So 150 is is really exciting. Our Our podcast numbers go up by the week, which is amazing to me. Uh, that people are still finding the show. And actually, um, <laughs> we have an email later on, which I will talk about, uh, from someone who just recently found the show. So, I mean, cool. people are still finding our show. where Our audience is still growing. It's actually really awesome to see. So, uh, welcome to all the new uh, listeners. Even though some of you have been sending me messages that you started from one are going to catch up. So, you know... <laughs> yeah, um, I actually... I almost envy those uh, people. They, they have a those lot of content. The show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I remember when I first found the show, and there were only like 13 episodes before it, episodes yep. before it. And I only got the binge listen like 13 episodes. Yeah. Not 150. That was what? That's 20 hours? That was nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, actually, not 20 hours. The, the episodes, the first like 20 episodes were, weren't they like three hours yeah it might have been longer i was trying to average out but yeah our first episodes (laughs) were almost three hours in length um so i mean yeah it was it was a different time back then um (laughs) not for anything else it's just at that point in time both face and i didn't have our our kid because there's something else for us our our son was born he's two now Mm -hmm. Uh, we started this before we had him, so I mean, technically speaking, our network is almost well. I shouldn't say almost; it's three and a half years old now. So, um, yeah, our long actually older than that because it was January, um, January twenty first, I believe, was the first podcast that was three years ago and some change now. Three years and six months that Tales of Tamriel episode one came out. So. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the year that ESO came out is the year that Dungeon Crawler Network founded, and you know here we are all this time afterwards. So, still going strong, still, still doing what we strong. do. Now having so many podcasts, I don't even know what to do with myself anymore. Like that seems to be all <laughs> I do anymore. <laughs> uh, this is the fourth podcast I've recorded this week. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is my wind down phase. Like this is this is the last show of the night or of the week, and then it starts all over again next week. Fun times, I don't fun know times. How you do it? Four, four, four podcasts. Technically, I do. I can five, understand four streams, but... like four gameplay streams a week, but four podcasts, four talk shows. That's that's dedication. <laughs> it. Egg likes to talk. I do like to talk. Apparently, so <laughs> there is that too. <laughs> yeah. No, that is. That is definitely not one of my failings, being shy, which is actually funny because I keep telling people that I used to be insanely shy. Like, I failed speech class twice, once in high school and once in college because I couldn't talk in front of people. <laughs> that has shifted 
quite dramatically. Uh, I, mean, I still have trouble with uh, presentations and stuff, so I, I, I guess that's normal. It's actually really funny. Podcasting has really helped me with that. I have no problems with pe- presentations anymore. None whatsoever. Yeah, mm, that's good. Yeah, it's this kind of thing has actually almost been therapeutic for me in that regard because I used to not want to talk. Now that's not the case. So now people just tell me to shut up. We got what you want to say. <laughs> Leave us alone, all right? Um, I often get a lot of my uh, whatever whatever I'm after, I get a lot of that stuff done just because it's like, hey, uh, we don't want to listen to him talk anymore, so we give him whatever he wants just so he shuts up and leaves <laughs> us alone. And I'm fine with that. Like, that works for me. I, I have no problem doing that. So, all right. So before we're going to shift things up, a little bit this week just because this is the 150th episode and i did ask for people to um send me emails right so a few people did send me emails i have quite a few of them so we're actually going to do almost everything in reverse um we're going to start off with the lore book reading because we want to do our sermon and we're going to do that right at the top of the hour because this sermon is actually probably much just going to be a reading maybe a little bit of analysis but there's not a whole lot to really be said in this um and then uh of course it's it's the fun part about the 36 lessons of avec there some of the some of the sermons are just they they are that's the best way to describe it i don't want to say don't make sense because that's almost all of them the best thing i can describe <laughs> is that they are um, and a lot of sermons, when see, we're only doing one a week, which is kind of the other issue. It's not really an issue, because if I was doing more, that would be the entire, you know, everything we do for yeah. that week. But by only doing one a week, it kind of limits, I guess, how's what's the wording I want to use? It limits some of the analysis, because some of the actual sermons don't make a ton of sense until you compare them to others, so... Um, with that being said, we'll go ahead and as soon as I pick this uh, last columbine, because I need potions, uh, we're going to go into that, followed by our emails, because we got tons of emails that I want to read, so we're going to read lots of those emails, and then we're going to go ahead and jump right on into news, which there's only one thing, and then gameplay will be last, which is just for this week because of the sheer amount of emails that we got, and I kind of want to hit them off at the very top of the hour. So, let's go ahead and take a look. Oh, and, I mean, there's something. Look at that. There's a, a laurel wreath on my head. I wonder how I got that. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, well, well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first off, we've got time to read 36 Lessons of Vivek, Sermon 7. As the caravan of Nerevar now made for the capital of Veloth, Anon Amalexia, there came great rumblings from the oblivion. A duke among scamps wandered into the house of troubles, pausing before each scripture door to pay his respects, until finally he was met by the major domo, Meiruns Dagon. The Duke of Scamp said, I am summoned by Lord Dagon, master of the foul waters and fire, and I have brought the penitence of the seven legions. The major domo, whose head was a bubble of foul water and fire, bowed low, so that the head of the Duke of Scamps became enclosed in his own. He said to the first penitent, 
which commanded a legion of grim warriors who could die at least twice. He saw the second pennant, which commanded a legion of winged bulls and the emperor of color that rode upon each. He saw a third pennant, which commanded a legion of inverted gorgons, great snakes, and whose scales were the face of men. He saw the fourth pennant, which commanded a legion of double-crossed lovers. He said the fifth pennant, which commanded a legion of jumping wounds, looking to hop upon a victim. He saw the sixth pennant, which commanded a legion of abridged planets. He saw the seventh pennant, which commanded a legion of armored winning moves. To which a major domo said, Duke Kahuta, your, led, your legions, while mighty, are not enough to destroy Nerevar or the Triune Way. Look upon the Hortator and see the wisdom he takes to wife. And they looked into the middle world and saw, evaporating in a throng of thunder, of red war, of chitin men, where destinies take him further from our ways, the heat that we have wanted and prayer they still remember, where destines clothe the distance, glad in the golden east that we saw it now, instead of war and repair of oblivious fracture, a curse on the Hortator and two more on his lands. And the Duke of Scamps saw palms of the Hortator upon which the egg had written these words of power. Gartok padahum, Gartuk padahum. The ending of the words is Am Sylvie. <sighs> okay. Right. Again, like I said, there's not a whole, whole lot of room for analysis. It's this Count sermon. To seven. Other than counting to seven, which again makes me wonder about the seven sermon. You know, there's there's a lot of that. Uh, I guess the word numerology in here, where people are taking the ideas of the numbers and adding in. Now, honestly, this entire thing we we've heard of the Duke of Scamps before. I'm almost almost positive the Duke of Scamps has appeared in in single player Elder Scrolls games. I feel like it was Oblivion. Maybe I'm wrong. But I feel like the Duke of Scamps was seen already somewhere else before. We've heard that name. I believe we've heard it a bit in even Cold Harbor, perhaps. Like, the name is really familiar to me. And it's it's really kind of drawn a blank as to where it would have came from. Um, I don't know if anyone else actually knows. Um, well, I just Googled it. And the first thing that comes up is obviously Sermon 7. Yeah. Other than that, there isn't really anything else. Hmm. Okay that it's mentioned okay i could have swore maybe i'm wrong i just feel like i've known this name before but then again at that same time i've i've read these sermons so many times maybe i'm just confusing where exactly (laughs) i've heard heard (laughs) things uh but the the entire idea of this sermon um and why it was something that you know they wanted to show forth this is again I guess uh, the best way that I've seen it described is Vivek coming forth and showing the power of the Tribune and the Hortator itself. And also saying that, you know, you have these seven very powerful legions and he goes to Mehrun's Dagon and Mehrun's Dagon's like, listen, you're still not strong enough to be able to take out the Hortator. It's not his, it's not your destiny to defeat him, right? Um, but in this thing, it's kind of, how do I want to describe this? 
This sermon very much reminds me a lot of the idea of a serial killer, right? A serial killer who leaves clues to what he is doing in hopes that maybe someone smart enough can figure it out, right? That's often a an often a case that serial killers leave clues. Why would you do that if you were killing all these people? Well, you generally do it because, you know, in some weird sick way you want to be caught. You know? Like and that's that's what I've seen because obviously from the from the dissident priest point of view, we we know or I guess we shouldn't know, but the the theory is that it was the tribunal who ended up killing the Hortator or Nerevar. And I mean that is kind of the entire premises of the Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind is the idea of the Nerevarine coming back as a reincarnation. So this is almost like him going showing the power of the tribunal, but at the same time going, you know, kind of leaving a breadcrumb of, yeah, the Hortator died, but it wasn't because of all this. So it's almost like he's setting up the scene for the Hortator to die, which ends up being killed by the tribunal, if that is what you believe. And again, I have to say, if that is what you believe, because, you know, maybe not. Maybe you're one of those who believe the tribunal are indeed living gods and the anticipations that they claim to be. So, mm, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, from, from, in, in the Elder Scrolls Online, you would have no reason not to believe it. Because. Oh, yeah. I tend well, and and this is coming from a very much of a meta gaming um, idea. Is because when you play the Elder Scrolls Three, you find the heart of of Lorcan and the tools of Kagnarak. So it's kind of like uh, okay, so these things here that were used, you know, said to be used to achieve divinity, really do exist, you know. Um, so you, you tend to tend to wonder if if those clues are kind of like hmm you know these things are here so but all right even if they're not actually living gods the dude still is holding a moonlet over the city so oh yeah no they have insane power and the closest i could say is the fact that like they literally did steal lorcan's power or you know Mm -hmm. the, the missing god and then they, you know, by using that borrowed power, because here's the thing, they actually tend to lose the power in Elder Scrolls 3. Spoiler alert for a 20-year-old game, but that's actually kind of what brings you into it. They are starting to lose their power because Dagoth Ur prevents them from going back into the mountain where mm-hmm. the heart is. They're, they used to do a... I don't know if it was a yearly, but it was a ritual that they used to say that they would do, that they'd go into the mountain and, you know, the distant breeze. Yeah, it's kind of like charging your battery, if Mm -hmm. you will. But once Dagoth Ur prevented them from being able to actually re-enter the Red Mountain, that's when they started losing their power in the Mm -hmm. Third Era because they weren't able to actually go back in. So Yeah. Actually, I do have some like questions okay Perhaps i'll mention it uh during the gameplay section as well but uh the streamer i mentioned a couple episodes 
for the Ophelia, uh, Ophelia Noir. Mm-hmm. Uh, did a like uh, lore lecture stream that lasted for about three to four hours, <laughs> and it was all about Morrowind, like Morrowind lore. Uh-huh. So I I learned a lot, and so uh, basically in on Elder Scrolls Three, their access to the heart of Lorcan is prevented. And then later on, the mountain explodes as well and stuff like, you know, basically they can't access the uh, heart, so they can't recharge their divinity. Yep. Uh, is that mm-hmm. why Vivek disappears in Fort Era, maybe? Is is there a indication towards that, or is it not mentioned at all? I would almost believe that entirely, because also, spoiler, um, one of the tribunal um, starts losing her mind. Oops, maybe I gave it away. (laughs) (laughs) Insert sexist comment about female losing mind. Um, But she actually does. She loses her mind over the power loss, and she actually ends up killing Sotha Sil. You find his body in in Morrowind. Um, And then in, in the Tribunal expansion, which is where you find all that, you actually end up killing her. So, spoilers again for anyone who Wait, play we, Morrowind. Wait, we kill Almalexia too? Yep. I mean, Almalexia kills sort of we Oh, I didn't know yep. that. You can kill Vivek in Morrowind, but it's not considered canon. Like, if you sneak into ah, his room and he's, like, super powerful and you cheat, you can actually kill him. <laughs> uh, but it's, it, it's not canon. So, like, you're not supposed to. He's actually the one who you generally don't kill. Uh, but you actually end up killing Amalexia, and Sothasil was killed by Amalexia. So, so where's Sothasil right now? Like in Elder Scrolls Online, what's the theory? Clockwork City. He never leaves the Clockwork City. That's where he's yeah, at. Yeah, but I mean, we are going to get the Clockworks, the DLC. So we are, but the Clockwork City is fairly large. So who knows if we'll actually see him or not? I hope we do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I kind of hope we don't. And only because if you're interested, go look him up on, on, uh, on, um, just the internet. Search for him. He's mostly machine now, right? Like, he's, he, he, he experiments. Almost. Yeah. (laughs) Um, he actually is one of those who, uh, how do I want to say it? He, experiments upon himself and augments himself so he's like covered in dwemer contraptions so he's like half machine and uh you end up actually he looks ugly oh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah he's he's a mess but at that same point i'm really like when i first saw amalexia i was very disappointed uh when i first ran into her in the morrowind storyline because I mean, obviously, she kind of looks the most quote-unquote normal of the two. Um, but I kind of wish they would have done something more with her to kind of set her apart from just a slightly larger, you know, uh, uh, night el- or uh, not night elf <laughs> Dunmer model with a slight glow to her, which kind of made her look somewhat golden. I really wish they would have done something different. And maybe they'll go back and redo her model because I have hope after seeing Vivek because Vivek was freaking awesome. Um, and exactly like I, I had pictured him. 
Uh, but so the sill is the strangest of the bunch. Quite obviously, I mean, well, you can, as you can see, he's he's kind of crazy nuts. He's also the strongest, I guess, right? Mm. Not in terms of like physical prowess, but overall, like if they went to war. Because again, in the lore lecture, uh, she mentioned that Sodasil had like pacts with most of the Daedric princes as well, like in person agreements and stuff mm. like that. I don't know, I guess. Uh, but you also got to remember, he got killed by, you know, Amalexia, so... Yeah, but that's like, you know, it was a surprise, probably. More than likely. Oh, hello, Amalexia. Oops, stabbed. <laughs> Would you like to come in for tea? I just like I just put something on the kettle, and <laughs> she stabs him in the back. Yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah, yeah, those wily women, I tell you. They, especially when they have powers of a god, they get crazy. <laughs> Or when they start losing it, they go crazy more like. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I don't I don't know. I guess possibly, but he's also the most enigmat or enigmatic of the ones because so little is known about him. Um, even overall, because he kind of he never leaves the the uh the clockwork city. Like he that's just where he is and he never leaves. So it's kind of hard to really know much about him because even the Dunmary people don't know much about him. Like he's he's just there, you know. Um, he it, it's Vivek is definitely the most personable of of the tribunal, uh, but obviously Amalexi is the most beloved as Mother Morrowind. So, yeah, take that. Into One account. last question. Yeah. Uh, do tribunal have any interest in the banner's war if so how does pact not win this war with three (laughs) living gods on their side well if you look at the uh at the leaderboard right now for cyrodiil i'm gonna do that oh i can't do until i log in darn (laughs) uh well actually you know it's really funny because most of the leaders don't have any real connection with it because if here's the big question if i mean they kind of do but they also don't why else are all the players getting crowned emperor and not you know that the kings like you know uh king uh Euron or you know Am- amalexia mm-hmm. like they're not taking the crown for themselves and honestly of the tribunal the the dunmary people the tribunal they're not even part of the empire like they are the only, I guess, autonomous nation in the Empire. And they're not even technically part of it. Like, they were the only nation that didn't, quote-unquote, need the Empire when it showed up. They were so well-run that they didn't, you know, Tiber Septum didn't even conquer him. He couldn't. They were they were too strong. They actually don't have an interest in the idea of an Empire because they already have their own stuff. They don't really care. You know what I mean? They're like, yeah. Well, even actually, like, Tiber Septim pretty much conquered uh, Tamriel with the help of uh, Numinidium, which was, like, he borrowed from, I don't remember, one of the tribunal, I guess. Uh, the, the second Numinidium? Not the, the original one, I think, but the later version of Numinidium. Is, wasn't uh, the second Numidium in Redguard? I thought there was only. Maybe it was a, but as far like uh, I read that 
Tiber Septim did borrow one of the Numinidium. I don't, I don't remember which one from the tribunal. Well, the, the tribunal would have had it because the 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 Dwemer were working on the Numidium mm -hmm. during the War of the, or Battle of the Red Mountain, and after they all disappeared, obviously the the remnants of all their infrastructure and of course the Numidium itself would have been closest to Dunmary you know, occupied land. So mm -hmm. they would have, of course, had it because it was actually the idea of the Numidium that caused the war in the first place because they, yeah. the Dunmer thought, you know, the, 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 the dwarves were overstepping their bounds by trying to create a God instead of worshiping the, you know, Azura or the house of like the three. Yes. The three Daedra. But uh, it's the three good Daedra, uh, which is uh, Azura, Azura. Uh, Minfala, and oh crud, I Boethia. Those mm -hmm. are the ones that they consider the three good Daedra, and then the four corners of the House of Trouble: Mayron's Dagon, um, uh, Moleg Ball, Mayron's Dagon, Moleg Ball. Uh, I don't think Malik. I don't know the rest. I'm, now I'm even drawing a blank. <laughs> Shagorath. And who is the fourth one? Why am I drawing a blank on the fourth one? It's not Malakath. I don't no one cares about him whatsoever. <laughs> uh Vermina, I think. Maybe it's Vermina, maybe not. I now I'm, I'm drawing a blank and I'm it's it's a long day. <laughs> but, uh, Malakath. Dagon, Molak Ball, and Shagorath. Okay, it was Malakath. I actually didn't think it was Malakath because no one cares about Malakath. All right, so that was our seventh sermon of 36 Lessons of Vivek. So before I go running around trying to figure out what all I'm trying to do, which actually before I even do that, I need to open up my assistant here in-game and actually pull out my freaking bank because I just realized I threw rings in that I didn't really need because I had too many sword sword oath rings. Or whatever you want to call them. But, you know, it is what it is. I've been saving all these gear sets now, which have been tons of fun for me. Um, just collecting gear sets just so that I have them. <laughs> um, I don't know. If it comes in a good trait, I keep it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then if it ever becomes a a good item, I may already have it. Now, of course... I do the same. If they ever That's raise the CP cap... <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna be yeah. really upset. <laughs> uh, everyone will be. They must. They yep. would have to do some sort of system where, for a month or something, you could spend gold or do something to upgrade. Yeah, uh, you'd mm, hope. You would hope, well, but I, then I doubt it. They would never really up, you know, increase the item champion point cap because no one would grind and everyone would just upgrade their items with gold yeah yeah i mean what's what's the point of increasing the item it's... cap if not force people to grind you know but you do it for a window for the existing player base so they wouldn't spontaneously combust with anger and then oh, wow. new players over time can then get higher that's what that's what i would think mm, maybe i don't know i just i don't know <laughs> i don't i don't I get the idea of of raising the 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 um, the gear at some point, 
But mm-hmm. like what I'm doing right now is just something that no one would, <laughs> in their right mind would ever do <laughs> uh, because it's just insanity what I'm just doing because it's, you know, hey, I can collect sets and it's something to do. I do it. Um, All my banking alts are full of various sets of stuff. Oh, really? I have one whole banking alt that just has necklaces. Wow. Hmm. And another one has rings and another one has monster sets. Really? Another one has stamina gear, one has tank gear. Yep. So I'm with you, Egg. Okay. All right. I have a... Oh. I'm trying to look over here, and it looks like what I have is Meridia's Emblem of Searing Light, and I don't even know if I have one of those or Fasal's Guile. Anyway. All right. Before I look into that, I might as well read some emails. <laughs> so let's go ahead and scoot all the way down to our emails. First off... Uh, This is from Jonathan. Uh, This is Jonathan Bird, because he's awesome. Uh, Subject, many questions. Hey, guys and girl, if blood eyes on this episode, can probably tell who I am by all the comments on your YouTube. Absolutely, sir. I know exactly who you are. Thank you so much for commenting and, you know, just being around and saying awesome stuff. So thank you so much. Um, But I got a few interesting questions, and considering some are lore-based, Ag will absolutely love it. This is true. Number one, in a previous episode a while back, you mentioned Sanctum Amphidia is the true last mission in the game where you defeat the serpent. My question is, who is the serpent, and what's he about, and what his role is uh, played in the Mundus? Okay, so this is actually something that I thought was really fascinating when I was actually running through this, because um, <laughs> it's actually... I get, how do I want to say it? It's actually um, the serpent that we know in Craglorn isn't directly related to the serpent in the sky. It's actually different. Um, The serpent in the sky, the ancient needs actually worship the constellations and these aspects that we see, the thief and the warrior and, and the mage that we see, and then the serpent in Craglorn were actually beings of intense power that the needs created they were not you know directly related to the stars even though at some point that's what they that's what they believed right so um yeah when you're when you're actually you know playing and you know running around with uh um uh with with uh in in craglorn you actually learn a good bit about the needs and their creations. But yeah, they were just incredibly powerful creations derived from the stars themselves, not necessarily anything else. So they're actually creations of ancient needed people, not, not, you know, in and of themselves, something. Uh, number two, I've seen a video on YouTube on who's the strongest protagonist in the Elder Scrolls series, and I've seen a lot of comments saying the Dragonborn are a hero of Kavach, are the Nerevarine, and I've argued that the Vestige should be up there at the top due to the Vestige beating Molek Ball in his own realm, and not just an aspect. What are your guys' opinions on the strongest protagonist, and should the Vestige be considered amongst the rest? I actually kind of want to hear what you guys think on this one first. Because you guys all, well, I shouldn't say all, but, you know, um, I know Ark has played Oblivion, right? Yeah. So, what are your thoughts? Well, um, I'll start with the Vestige, because it's the, 
like the most recent one. Yeah. Um, while Restage is powerful, and he did fight Morlock Ball, his main power when he was fighting Morlock Ball came from the amulet of the kings, the the amulet mm-hmm. that also gave the power to hero. Well, not hero of Quash. Hero of Quash didn't use amulet of kings. No. But basically, without the Amulet of the Kings and the sacrifices, Vestige wouldn't be able to fight Morlock Ball or even get close to him. Like at that, uh, in the last mm-hmm. battle of game. Yep. Uh, so I'm just moving the Vestige out of the way. The most important ability of Vestige is that he doesn't have a soul. So most of the time, they can't do stuff to him because he doesn't have a soul. That was the main thing about Vestige throughout Elder Scrolls Online. Uh, Hero of the Quatch is just a guy, again, without any powers or anything. He's actually, up until the Vestige uh, that we play in the second era, he is the most normal person mm-hmm. that you would actually experience. He's actually just an average Joe, except for, like, Arena. In Arena, you're, you're, you actually play... And I think the canon eventually names the unknown hero, even though you get to name him, uh, that he was a guard or something, but they were normal. So almost everyone, uh, I think the one in, in uh, Daggerfall was normal too. So um, it's actually only Morrowind and Skyrim that they were at all pow- you know, something different than what they were before. Now, I don't know much about Nerevarine, as you probably guess, but... Here's what I know. Nerevarin is one of the initial, like, before Tribunal uses the Heart of Lorcan. There's five of them, right? Four. Four of them, yeah. Four. four. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, Almalexia, Sorosil, Vivek, and Nerevarin, which was named, I think, someone else, but I don't remember. Indorel Nerevar. Ah, yeah, Indorel. Uh, so, basically, he dies before he gets to use... I mean, he's the one that's against using Heart of Lorcan, mm-hmm. and he dies in the process of defending this idea, not losing Heart of Lorcan. So again, he dies without any powers too. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. So this leaves Dragonborn with the only person that has crazy powers Yep. Uh, in this competition. Now, if Nerevarin, like when he comes back... From what I've seen in the Vardenfell questline, people expect him to come back so strong that he will fight Tribunal. Mm-hmm. The, uh, so let's say he does get uh, some powers, or at least the power of Tribunal, when he, uh, he is reincarnated or something. Well, I he, would still think... He does, technically, in Morrowind. You are the Nerevarine. Oh, we are Nerevarin in... Yep. Ah, okay. You are the reincarnation of, of Inderel Nerevar, uh, which is funny that okay. you can choose any race uh, <laughs> to, to be that incarnation, you would think. But it's actually, I should say, uh, you, you'll notice this uh, if you play any of the games. Like, if you do a fresh install of Morrowind, the very first race that you're presented with is a Dunmer. When you, when you play Skyrim, the first race is a Nord. So they kind of yeah. lead you into what their idea of the canon hero is, but you can choose to be something different. All those heretic people that choose an ultimate dragon ball. I know. The heresy. It's wrong. (laughs) So, uh, in terms of, like, a tribunal versus dragonborn, I would say, well, the dragonborn 
uh, in Skyrim, like the uh, protagonist Dragonborn, isn't that strong actually. Like he is just at the beginning of his Dragonborn ship, and he doesn't know most of the words. He doesn't know how great his powers can be. But if we think Mirak instead of our uh, player's Dragonborn, mm-hmm. I think a Dragonborn would take on Nerevarin without much of a problem. I actually tend to agree with Ark on that one, that the only one that's actually of all, I guess, anything special is is the Dragonborn, who actually has innate powers. You could argue that the Nerevarine, because he's a reincarnation, but that's just the idea of a reincarnation. So I don't, yeah. Um, the hero of Kavach was just a normal person. He actually had, at no point, did he have any innate powers of his own. Anything that would have quote unquote made him stronger would have came from an outside source, which could you know be taken away, like a Daedric artifact or anything like that could be taken away. The vestige that we talked about already—the only thing that really makes him or her as powerful as they technically are—is because they have no soul; they're a husk, and the idea of that. <laughs> It was actually, they they used it in almost a cheap gameplay mechanic to say that that's why your character, when it dies, becomes a ghost in the MMO. You know, because obviously when you die, you're a ghost. In Skyrim, when you die, you're dead and you have to reload a save, right? But that's how they got away with the idea of, oh, I just popped back, I'm a ghost and now I can respawn. It's because you have no soul so your body doesn't leave the mortal Mm -hmm. coil. That's why they they say you can, you know, resurrect, if you will. Um, that you know, uh, cheesy gameplay mechanic. Uh, but he's another act- aspect of go ahead. Sorry, uh, another aspect of looking at this would be, though, uh, for a better comparison or a different kind of comparison would be comparing them at their peak power, like when they had the most power, along with their influence as well, like Hero of Kavach having the empire behind them. That's that would change things probably possibly but also at you know at uh the the dragonborn level he had a a shout that could literally rip dragons out of the air and possibly you know like i mean we've already seen the thume be used to devastating uh effect when tiber septum was leading the army until he got his throat cut (laughs) you know what i mean like he used it to devastating effects on the enemy. Look at uh, when you first learn about the idea of the Nordic tongues, that how powerful they were. They were a force to be reckoned yeah. with on the battlefield. They were they were tide turners. You know, these five people or however many of the original tongues there were in the when the Nords first, you know, landed on Tamriel. Like they were tide turners. They just ripped apart. Uh, any army that tried to stand up to him, that's how powerful that they were. Their shouts were just that powerful. I mean, look at the 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 gray uh, the the um the guys in uh the high Rothgar, you know, the priest up there, the the ones who can shout and literally when they summon you it sounds like an earthquake is happening, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that was the best moment. Yeah, exactly. You could just hear it from all the way up on the mountain. And I mean, they even say there's the one guy who won't even open his mouth because even a whisper would blow you apart. You know, mm-hmm. like that's how powerful of a uh, of the idea of these shouts are. And that's an innate 
power that they that you could learn. Technically, anyone could learn that. But the Dragonborn is the only one who can do it, you know, at will essentially, and it, it gets double power from Dragon Souls. So, wow, I just got an achievement that I didn't even realize I didn't have. <laughs> wow, that's weird. Cool. I just got an achievement for Forgotten Crypts Conquer. Defeat all the champions in the Forgotten Crypts. That that last guy. Um, uh, defeat the forgotten sheriff was likely one that maybe was bugged when I was doing it. I don't even know. I was in here doing a daily for the stream and I got an achievement that I didn't even know I was missing. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway. So yeah, no, I tend to think that the most powerful of the ones was actually the dragonborn just because I mean, he was also technically would have been able to use the uh, amulet of Kings if it still existed, you know, because he yeah, was too. of dragon descent so i mean he's of equal power to tiber septum if you think about it, at least in the mortal coil sense of things mm-hmm. so yeah um and just to throw a spanner in the works depends on what your definition of powerful is i think to be able to decimate an entire possible. army by shouting at it is pretty much power <laughs> yeah but you could also be a good diplomat and yeah. control as per art's point have an army behind you in what you say it, yeah. get the army to do things or governments or whatever so nords rip through armies really... oh, there's that too she's but, trying to be all diplomatic about it. i'm like no nope, no nah, i'm just gonna shout at your well, army and tear them apart. if you convince <laughs> like if you convince dragonborn to fight for you Correct. Then you are probably more powerful than that than Correct. that said dragonborn. Yeah, but then it, but if the dragonborn accidentally sneezes while you have him at dinner, you're dead. So I mean, <laughs> guess what? It's over. Yeah, well, <laughs> make him fight for you, but don't keep him around. Yeah, that's the sword. Yeah, just don't 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 get into an argument. If he says his sports team is the best, do not try to fight. <laughs> you will lose. All right, final question we have here because we still have tons of emails we got to get through. Since ESO, I've been going around a long uh, for a long time, and I think there will always uh, that there will ever be. Uh, oh, since ESO is going to be around for a long time, do you think there will ever be PVE content DLC, which we travel to Akavir and see what the continent is truly like, with the different races like the Teishi and others, and hopefully understand their mindsets and what they want to accomplish, other than getting the Imperials' perspective on a failed invasion. Um, I actually don't think the uh, Imperial Invasion has actually happened yet, to be honest. <laughs> uh, the disaster at Ioneth, I think, is actually later than than the Interregnum, um, because uh, it was Imperial a septum, in- and not a yeah. It was it was definitely after the Interregnum that we actually go there. The only fail the only up until this point, the only known excursions to Akavir have been on um from them invading us not the other way around Mm. uh if we were literally gonna go with canon which we already discussed i think last week that eso doesn't always stick with canon you know especially when it comes to content they will make it whatever they want and they'll retcon it later um I if they were sticking to lore, then no, because the, the I don't. There hasn't been any recorded invasions of Akavir, other than that first one that I know of. Um, so I don't think that it would be a case. Um, 
personally speaking, given the rate of content that they're doing and the fact that it would be a big zone and DLC and there's so much still to do, given the average life of MMOs, which is around a decade, um, I, I honestly don't think we'll ever, ever get all the way through um, Tamriel. And if we do, there's still the Daedric Realms to, to bring into this. Uh, that we could explore higher realms. So I honestly don't think we will ever see Akavir just due to the fact that, you know, there's not even a whole lot of reference for Akavir. So I don't think we'll actually see it. That's my personal opinion. I don't, I don't know if Ark or, or Blood I have anything else they want to say on that. Well, I mean, uh, the main reason I think we won't see Akavir is that I don't think they would use up something that new, something that unknown in the MMORPG of Elder Scrolls. Without doing are, it. If they are, yeah, if they are ever going to bring Akavir into, into the play, they would probably do it on a single player game. So Before they bring it in here. My, yeah. yeah. That's my I tend to agree with you on that one, thinking that might you know, be more the case is the fact that they would probably end up bringing it into, into, um, like you said, into, uh, the single player before they would bring it into the MMO, just because at that point, then Bethesda would have its hands in it first before Zenimax would get, you know, cause Zenimax does do awesome creation, but they do it with the help of Bethesda and I think Bethesda would probably want to keep its intellectual property to itself, at least for the creation of new things. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in that in that larger meta sense. I don't know if that would you know be the case. And maybe I'll be wrong, but Akavir is actually larger than all of Tamriel put together, like because it is a very large continent. And given the the way that they're designing stuff now with zones, yes, they'll do a zone for. I don't think they would ever release that, just because of how little they'd be able to release at a time. Yeah, you know, just given what they might do, maybe you know, a quest that you travel to Akavir in an instanced like little area. Maybe that's the best they would do. Like. In terms of adding a Kavir into the game, but other than that, yeah, I don't think. So. Hmm. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I just, I don't, I don't foresee that <laughs> being a thing, unfortunately. But you know, we could always be wrong. So thank you so much, Jonathan, for your email. We really do appreciate that. Uh, oh, and he also had a one more comment. No, uh, oh, I. Uh... Yeah, you see that arc? You see that right there see, at the I've end? I've been of... staring at that. And when you deleted <laughs> the entire thing, I was like, yep, you didn't read it. Nope. Long live the sexplar. Yes, sir. Long live the sexplar. <laughs> Why you do this? <laughs> uh, all right. Our next email comes from Meow's Bark. Uh, Mid-year mayhem. A tale for tales. All right. Mm. Um, and Meow's Bark, also one of our Twitch subscribers. Thank you so much for that, by the way. Uh, so we really appreciate your support over at twitch.tv slash Dungeon Crawler Network. Hitting that sub button, that was really awesome of you. Thank you. Uh, that does help support the network. So, of course, if anyone else is interested in helping doing that, uh, especially if you have a Twitch Prime, you get a free sub. 
that's a way you can do it and it, you don't even feel it. So uh, there you go. All right, so Meow's Bark sends us another email. Thank you so much. And I really do appreciate it. He apologizes for length, and he's been, uh, or she's been sending us emails for a while, and uh, I really do appreciate it because I love getting mail. Happy 150th episode, Tales of Tamriel. Thank you for the countless hours of entertaining podcasts. Your shows break up the monotony of my work, and I have now watched every episode of every podcast at the Dungeon Crawl Network in full except for one. My heart broke too much to listen to the Glass Motif podcast. Fair enough. <laughs> I just want to give you a hug and tell you it's going to be okay. I've played so many MMORPGs over the years that die out in the first couple of months. I don't agree on everything, every decision that Bethesda has made with ESO, but they've made enough right decisions as, that ESO is active and thriving three years after launch, which is true. Good um, point. I also think a lot of it's because there's nothing else out there as well. But anyway, (laughs) no, I mean, it's true. It it really is true. They, they are a good MMO. They really are. I honestly only have issues with their monetization policies. Like I really think they need to give more incentive in game than just the cash shop that they, that they throw at us constantly. Uh, My goodness. Uh, Ark, how much news do we have this episode? Like, one minor thing to mention? Uh, Yeah, and that's not news. Like, you can go and meet the ZeniMax team in Gamescom. That's pretty much it. Well, there you go. We already already finished the news. (laughs) Um, But how much of even the past six months has been monopolized by Crown Store stuff? That includes data mine stuff that we know are going into the Crown Store. Like, yeah. 90% of our news is talking about what they're adding into their cash shop. That is literally 90% of our news. And if that's any indication of of what, you know, obviously they're focusing on, there you go. Anyway, I want to share a tale with you. In honor of Mid-Year Mayhem, I ventured out into the wilds of Cyrodiil this week on my number two character. My favorite part about the event was that my guild came together for PvP. Kinda. We have characters in three different factions, and we use a single voice channel in our guild, and we're too lazy to type (laughs) on our controllers, so anytime we would tell our groupmates which keep our resource to take, we'd be ambushed and teabagged by eavesdropping guildies. (laughs) You know, it's actually also funny, uh, uh, Meow's Bark, because I was going to do some PvP today, and I was in a campaign, and I had two of my guild members ask where I was because they were playing on AD characters. I wonder who they were. Blood Eye. Yeah. So Wait, we, why do you have an AD character? Yeah, the, that's even the bigger question. Okay. That's, because I, one of my other guilds is AD. Why are you even like, in another yeah. guild that's AD? Yeah. You should immediately leave. Anyway, we Sorry. we will, we will we will yell at you in our tales section about that. So, Ark, you make sure to mark that down because we got to yell at her about that. We're gonna get through this email. <laughs> the only time we didn't kill each other is if there was a sky shard involved. All right. If I had one complaint about this week's event, it is that I had to compromise my role as a support character in order to land fifty killing blows. It took me thirteen PvP levels and a million AP to complete. I don't like to kill steel. Well, that's nice of you. I also ended this adventure with a bunch of Telvar stones. Quick lore question. 
What is so special about these stones, and why are they only found in the Imperial City? Looking forward to hearing your next 150 ep- or 150 podcasts. Again, congrats. Your favorite AD Magsork, Meowsbark. Uh, so- <laughs> I am both AD and the Magsork. I know. <laughs> I, I love you, Meowsbark, but you're really making it hard for me to love you with both of those <laughs> things because Magsorks are the devil, all right? They are just the devil. <laughs> Oh my goodness, they're so the devil. And yeah. I've been doing a lot of battlegrounds this this week for the uh, mid-year uh, mayhem. So I know I now know Ark. I know your your pain with Magsorks. So Yeah. I... Yeah. Alright, so that makes it really hard. First off, let me hit up the Telvar thing, because that's actually really simple. The Telvar stones are actually tiny chips off of the light gold tower itself. I think we actually had this conversation uh, with um, Asari way back when we first started talking about Battlegrounds and how we were going to... No, it wasn't Asari. It was uh, Nate, Nate, our other co-host. Um, we were talking about... He's like, why don't we just use Telvar stones? And I actually had to jump in with the lore going, well, technically speaking, sir, the reason why we wouldn't want to use them for Battlegrounds is the Battlegrounds are happening out in in Morrowind like it's it's a Morrowind event and the Telvar stones only appear in Imperial City because they're little bitty pieces of of um white gold tower. of the white gold tower that were being chipped off and they contain you know obviously the power of of the white gold tower itself being you know obvious if you want to get into uh some tower lore which may be something we talk about in the future I know that's uh um KDR KDR Mickey and um, uh, Mark, they uh, are, I guess I should say Mark, not KDR Mickey from Elder Scrolls Off the Record, but Mark, he hates the idea of tower lore. So anytime I, I talk to them, I always like bring it up, especially if Mark's in the chat saying, hey, you want to have some tower lore discussion? Because he just absolutely <laughs> hates it. So uh, if you listen to this show and Elder Scrolls Off the Record, I encourage you to send a message to them and ask Mark to talk about tower lore. Like that would be great, and I would love it. And say regards for Magellus. So just do that. I want to see people in this show emailing Elder Scrolls off the record to talk about tower lore, and I just want to see Mark Rage. Sorry, Avarwin, if you're listening. I know you tend to listen to these, but you know, feel free to bring that up on your show, dude. Just just ask Mark to talk about tower lore because I requested it, and you'll you'll well, see. Well, just one thing. Just, uh, don't spam. Like, if everyone that listens to the show spams Elder Scrolls off the record, that would be bad. So don't, not, don't, not all Spam of them. Just... It's okay. <laughs> I mean, a few thousand emails wouldn't be now. It's okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll smooth they, it over with a Varwin later. Just... If they in turn spam us back. I, I think it would be incredibly <laughs> funny since I'm the one who has to go through all the emails and I will call it a, okay, oh, yeah, I agree. Right, right. Yeah, so what do you that. care, Ark? I'm the one going through all the emails. Yeah. That's right. So, no, it's all good. Actually, I, think, I can't have you die on me, man. Yeah, I know, that's true. <laughs> Just like, nope, I'm out. So there's the Telvar Stones, uh, the Telvar Stone lore. Now, what, what was the other question? I almost forgot it already. Oh, what do you use them for? That's my question. What, the Telvar Stones? Hmm. Uh, the merchants? Or are you asking me like from the lore perspective? No, from a gameplay perspective. Oh, I I tend to just use them for buying um the the triglyphs, the prismatic glyphs. Okay. Um, you could also use them if you're willing to save uh 
a quarter million of them, you can guarantee your shelf at a uh, polymorph. So, I mean, now those polymorphs also have a super low drop chance out of any bag that you buy with Televar stones, which are only like a thousand or something like that. Like you could, you could buy the Televar stone bags that have pieces of gear in them. And there's a very small chance that you'll end up getting the, the, uh, uh, the polymorph, or you could save the quarter million Telvar stones and then just buy them outright. And there's three of them, so that's kind of what I've been saving mine for. Is just because I like cosmetics, so I'm saving yeah. for those polymorphs. Um, but I'm pretty far away because at one point I spent a lot of Telvar stones. I forget what I spent them on, but I I used up a lot of them. So yeah, that is a thing. All right, so let's see here what our next email is. Because thank you, again, thank you so much, everyone, for sending me all these emails. Because this is something I did request for our 150th episode. Because it's kind of like, this is what we're doing on this episode. Answering fan mail. Because you guys are the reason why we're here. Uh, our very own Sean Own You from the network has a discussion topic. First off, Ark is right. Topic doesn't matter. Well, Sean, you are wrong. So, <laughs> one, one question. <clears throat> on, about what? I don't remember. I think he's just saying you're right no matter what you say. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think I that's just know, a I'll sweeping take... arc <laughs> is right, period. Doesn't matter what topic it is. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh... Finally, someone with common sense. <laughs> <laughs> I was recently listening to an off-the-record podcast, and Avarwin mentioned that increasing the cost of subscription to $20 a month and having the Crown Store cost. As you know, some people would like this and others would despise it. I have an alternative solution. Why not have an, e- uh, an ESO double plus option, basically double the cost of sub for $30 for people who don't who want it and then half the cost of the uh, crown store cost. My argument is this. First, it gives more money to Zoss. Second, it gives another option of players that would prefer to pay that way. Uh, I foresee people subbing for double plus buying everything they ever wanted to get the most use out of and then canceling, which in my mind is fine. Let's say ESO comes out with a new uh, mount that is uh, outrageously priced at $40. The double sub would make it half that, so it's $20, but it would... But then the double uh, sub would net, co- or would net cost of $35 for the player. Now, the player will want to make the most out of that double sub so they'll end up buying more stuff and uh than just the mount so that Zoss makes more money from the digital goods and the player feels like they got a good deal. Would prefer uh being uh you know would prefer being on the show to discuss this, but real life is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Sean hasn't been able to be here, so uh we miss you Sean. We hope to see you back soon. Um my thought is once you start getting up to $30 and only having those crown store cost, uh, I don't know. Like you, you would obviously get 3000 crowns a month, but having the crown store cost still wouldn't get you everything. Um, I, I don't know because then, then it just becomes an issue of, you know, even when you, when you, uh, when you increase the cost, right? That eventually they'll just start going, well, listen, we already have the people here who are doing the, you know, ESO plus plus. So that gives us free reign to do a $10,000, you know, a 10,000 crown item. Cause that's only 50 bucks for them, you know, who are already subbing at that point or at that, at that amount. So 
I don't know. Uh... You know, if anything, I'd rather them, you know, lower the price of ESO Plus and increase the prices in Crown Store. That works better for me. I would rather pay thirty bucks a month and not have a Crown Store and have everything. In. Like if they, if it, if there was a sub only server, I'm still more akin to the sub only server, like a gold server, like a, another data center or another mega server that would be considered their, you know, ESO plus plus. That was a sub only, even if it was increased cost of twenty, twenty five, thirty dollars to get onto it, and all the Crown Store cosmetics were then in the game tied to any random achievement they want to throw it on, you know, then I would rather that versus the cost. At that point, then you lose control of your character if you can't pay the sub, but then you can always go back to the old server, you know. I I would love the idea of a of a, a gold server, an ESO++ server. That would be more what I would prefer than just increasing the, the sub fee and then decreasing the crown store cost. Because again... I think more people would end up hating the idea of the ESO Plus being more expensive because most people want the ESO Plus for the benefits more than for the Crown Store. Yep. Crafting bags. The crafting bags, yeah. (laughs) Crafting bags, the double bank space, the extra uh, 10% extra uh, experience. um, Well, pretty much whatever the four things are that you get from it. Um, so yeah, like I, I think people would be a little more upset by the crown store cost. The crown store cost only really annoys collectors. People like me who can't help themselves, but want to collect everything. The people who (laughs) only pick up the stuff that they want, like blood, eye, like, Oh, I only like this or only like that. They don't feel the need to like that urge to get everything. So they don't really care. Oh, I get my subs. I get this. And then I only pick the one or two items that I really want. Cause in all reality, like how my character is right now. If I only bought the cosmetics that I used on my main character, I would literally be running around with the Fennec Fox, the uh, the Fennec Fox, the um, oh crud, what was the other thing? I see, I can't even remember the other thing I bought because uh, <laughs> I got the crown st- or the 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 mount from the uh, ESO subs. So I wouldn't need a mount, so it would be pretty much the Fennec Fox, and I think. Uh, maybe the Needic armor set I would probably use, but even that's kind of iffy. Uh, so I can't even think of anything else. E- e- even the even the the heads st- like uh, I got the basic hair kit or whatever that had all the original stuff in it. Um, because I get the normal boar's nest beard and a bald head, and that's all I need. I honestly think that's all <laughs> I would have bought. I would have bought one Finnick fox the entire time, and the base uh, the base cosmetic set for changing some looks around like that was everything so that is not the amount of cosmetics that i have (laughs) Uh, but you know like if you really think about it that's that's kind of where i'm sitting on that like and i mean i do use cosmetics on some of the other characters but i mean in all honesty i barely even play them so is that really even going to any any good yeah i have i have all these different mounts and stuff on other characters but in the end i'm not really even freaking using those characters so what does it matter you know that that's that's what kind of my two cents on the whole thing is you know i just i increasing the sub cost is only going to make more people angry 
unless the increased sub cost allows you to create a character on like a sub only server. Those are my thoughts on that one. The, Any- the downside of your gold server is this. People like me who are in a different hemisphere and in a different time zone, it's tricky enough me when I'm playing at my prime time to have people online to do group content with. And I think if you further segment your player base into different servers rather than just EU NA into then standard server, gold server, that's going to be very hard for people in the non prime time zone for that server. You are in a very unique situation, however. <laughs> um, and, and I say that because. It really is. Australians in this case, because there is no oceanic server, you really are kind of inconveniencing yourself one way or the other. Um, You know, you're either late on U.S. or or early on U.S. or late on EU. It's kind of like your choice. You don't really, (laughs) you know, there's no prime time that really works for you, which, I mean, that's unfortunate. I think you're you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't kind of deal. With their phasing technology, though, I don't think the idea. Uh, I I don't think a gold server, or the amount of people who would prefer to play on a, a sub only server where the cash shop wasn't a thing, would actually limit the numbers at all. Because the phasing alone, even if even if that server only had a thousand people playing on it, they just limit the number of phases. How many times are you playing? Uh, that I'm in uh, freaking uh, mournhold right now and i see players running around and this is technically almost prime time on a saturday night and i'm seeing maybe a hundred people running around in this city because eventually the server has to phase to make room you're not going to see all thousand people anyway regardless of where you're at if the server has ten thousand, it just means you have even further segmentation on 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 the server in shards i don't i don't think anyone i don't think you would be any less screwed on a gold plus server versus the a normal server i i really don't because you're well, still there'd gonna be, there'd be a more fragmented population that i couldn't then do you're not gonna be able with. to play with all the population anyway like i mean even like i said if there's ten thousand people on your server the only thing it's really gonna affect really is but there the, aren't ten thousand people on there because they're all asleep that's my point yeah, but that's going to be the same regardless. Like, Yeah, well, look at it this way, Ag. I mean, uh, currently, there are like millions of players in North American mega server that are, you know, that has accounts. Yeah. Uh, then a percentage of these are active. Then a percentage of these that are actually in Abonart Pact. Then, you know, a percentage of person... It, oh, I'm not saying there's not going to be the, less people. Like, there, wait, there wait, will be I less. Mean, the, the amount of people like the struggle of uh putting together a trial group even mm-hmm. though you are with player you are with millions of player on the north american mega server you know the uh, struggle of putting a trial group now imagine mm. cutting those numbers by right. millions and just ending up with a few thousand people uh they will you know the server uh, segmentates everything in itself, but player base also uh, frag- fragments within itself. Like they go to different guilds, they go with different people, and all. Yeah. And yeah. by the end, when you cut off, cut out those numbers, 
you are not left with 100 people like you see on Deshan right now. You are left with maybe two, three people that you know, which are which won't be online at the same time, and basically you won't have many people to play with. So I think that's the problem with uh, the problem uh, robot is. Mm, I also think yeah. you guys are looking at it from a non-MMO player perspective. Yeah, you're right. Putting together some trial groups is hard in our guild because our guild isn't a trials guild. I run with, like, Nerdman and stuff in his. They have multiple. Like, we were trying to put together a trial the one night, and he's like, "I'm with, my guild decided they were doing more trials tonight, so, like, almost all of his guild was in trials. Like, if you wanted to do trials, if that's something you want, you join a group of players that actually have it. If you're, and you know, I'm not saying anything you know bad about our guild. Obviously, I love our guild. I'm just saying our guild is more of a you come in, you do what you want, and we do events. But the problem is we have such a wide range. People aren't really here for a purpose other than the socialization aspect, and that socialization aspect really limits. Um, you know, like what we can do because not everyone is kind of into the same things, right? Like, so it's kind of harder. It's like, hey, we're going to do a trial tonight. And people are like, yeah, I don't like trials, but let me know whenever you're going to do X, you know, or whatever the case may be. If you really want to do stuff, you join a group of people who are like-minded to do those things with, and then you're not going to have those issues. Um, so like, like I said, a lot of the issue that, we have as and a if guild. they're not online then they're not online to do stuff uh, well i i online. honestly feel like like i said there's there's probably oceanic guilds formed on north america like for you that if you joined an oceanic guild like looked for an oceanic guild went on the forums and looked for an oceanic guild you would find people who would play at those times um for me like an EU side that's on or a, a gold only server with only sub people. How many, like I can honestly say a lot of people would, I think you're underestimating the amount of people who would play on a sub only server because of the fact that there's no crown store and because they're already paying the sub anyway, because they can't play this game without a sub. You know what I mean? Like half the people who play this game, I should say half. So maybe some of the console people don't really care, but anyone who's serious you can't tell me anyone who's not serious about this game does not play with a sub because of just the crafting bags alone. Like, if you're serious about this, you can't play this without it. I know I tried. I'm like, nope. I think I made it a day, and I'm like, nope, I'm out. I gotta, I'm resubbed. Like, that's, that's how long I made it without a sub. So how many people are actually playing without a sub who wouldn't have the opportunity of just going, yeah, no, I'm, I'm playing on ESO+. Plus, plus you know? Um, but yeah, all right. We're kind of going around in circles in that because we have our own <laughs> thoughts, but you know, that, the, that's all of our thoughts on that. Our final email from Teddy, uh, says greetings, dear tales of Tamriel. My name is Teddy and I am a 15 year old who lives and works on a farm in Northeast Iowa. And I love your podcast. I found your podcast about three days ago when I was preparing my old iPod. So I'd be able, uh, to most listen to something as I worked. I downloaded your first eight episodes and have listened up to episode six. I found Skyrim one day and I searched the internet and then I proceeded to watch everything I could on it. I watched, listened, and learned so much I became a resident expert uh, um, of my friends on the subject of Elder Scrolls. Even though I've 
Never actually played it until about three weeks ago. I purchased it for 13 bucks. I have yet to play any other Elder Scrolls game as I hardly have any time for Skyrim. I may have uh, a chance to play ESO soon, at, so I wish to be prepared. In Skyrim, and talking, uh, um, and you guys talking about the games, I love to be a holy warrior who heals and yet is form, uh, formable on a fence. What race ought I to choose uh, to get this playstyle? What skills should I focus on? Again, I love your podcast, and I thank you for making it. Sincerely, Teddy. Well, Teddy, thank you so much for sending us the email. I'm glad that you found our show and that uh, you um, are, well, enjoying it and hopefully getting ESO soon if that's something that you're interested in. Uh, Holy Warrior said, now this is something for me, obviously. <laughs> um, depends on what you really want to do, Teddy. Um, because of how they change things around with the Templar, there is... How do I want to say it? If you want to go stamina, some of the best races for stamina would be Redguard, obviously, is the best. Uh, Khajiit's pretty good for crit, but if you still want to get that that Holy Warrior archetype, they might not be the best. Nord is also good because they actually have some stamina to them. Not as good as Redguard for um, sustain, meaning like being able not to run out of stamina as quickly, but still decent. Honestly, if you want to be an offensive type, playing an Altmer, which I would never encourage, <laughs> is good just for the magic of magic boost. But I would honestly say one of the the ones who make some of the best Templars, especially if you're going to be a Magicka Templar, is Breton. Breton is one of the best. Obviously, the idea of the Holy Warrior, your best bet for that is playing a Magicka Breton. All right? And for healing, if you really want to be offensive with heals, go Magicka, be a Breton, and focus on the Adric spear line. Huh? Or an Ultma. No, don't go Ultma. Breton. (laughs) Breton. Uh, Their actual magical reserves are awesome. So go Breton and go focus on one specific skill, which is called Puncturing Sweeps. Okay? Puncturing Sweeps allows you to do damage... And then also uh, heals you for the amount of damage done. And being Magicka, you can also have Breath of Life on your bar for quick heals. There's a lot you can do. So if you want to be that Holy Warrior, go Magicka Breton in ESO and focus on, for damage, use Puncturing Sweeps. And then you can kind of augment around the way, you know, using the other skills from the other from the other lines. But you could pretty much do everything for Templar skills at that point. So... Hope that helps, Teddy. Really do appreciate you listening and uh, glad you take us to work with you. All right, guys, that's kind of the end of our email. So before we move on to the last section, which is going to be gameplay, uh, we got to give a special shout out to our sponsors of the show, which is you, the listener. That's right. We are the PBS of podcasts, and it's through support from people like you that we continue to do what we do. Uh, If you want to support us, obviously, there's a number of ways of doing that. One would be Twitch subscriptions now, because Twitch is one thing that we do now have a sub button for, and you can click that little sub link if that is something you would wish to do to support us. We really appreciate that. The other way, of course, is Patreon at patreon.com slash dungeoncrawlernetwork. For as little as a dollar a month, you get all of our episodes on all of our podcasts up to a day early, sometimes longer, um, as well as uh, entry into our monthly giveaways that we do over there 
So check those out. Patreon.com slash Dungeon Crawler Network or Twitch.tv slash Dungeon Crawler Network. Thank you so much. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. That is something that helps us out exponentially because it helps people find us and lets us let them know that we are a real podcast, that we say words, and sometimes those words actually have, serve a purpose. Not all the time, <laughs> just sometimes. <laughs> all right, guys. What have we been doing in ESO this week? Uh, we're going to start with Blood Eye again. Well, PvP because of the event, pretty much. So I finally, finally won a battleground. God, that's a challenge. Um, so I got my achievement done. Um, I did a little bit of questing in Oridon to look after Queen Flathead. Found out who the leader of the Bailed Heritance is. No spoilers which I already knew anyway from playing it through on another character. Um, and I bought the cave, finally. The Earth so Tear Cavern? Yeah. Okay. Ooh, I have. Yep, so I've moved all my plant collection into my cave. That's what I've been doing as we've been podcasting today. <laughs> and the most exciting news of this week is, and hopefully for those listening live, it's enough time for them, but the luxury vendor has got glowy plants and we all know I love a glowy plant. So I'm probably going to drop about half a million gold on glowy plants for my cave. It's but they're shine, ugly glowing plants. Thing. No, they rock. They are not the glowy plants like Nurnroot. They are the Morovin stuff, which is <laughs> always ugly and weird. I like them. Now, anyway, Ark, you've specifically plants. said that Vardenfell was way prettier than you've ever, ever seen before. For Vardenfell... Is pretty when you look over a large, you know, uh, landscape. Okay. When you inspect everything individually, everything is still weird and ugly, like the plants, <laughs> like it's the weird. beetles that have mushrooms on them, like the. I love them. Like Vivek itself. Vivek itself is weird and I, ugly. Yeah, I agree. I don't like him. Oh, I mean, the god of Vardenfell is weird and ugly. He's, He's amazing. A would you put, would you would you put Vivek in your living room? Absolutely, I would. I might, I might put him in my cave to light up. I mean, I'd sit on his lap. Well, I mean, maybe Whoa. I don't know. I might get jabbed by his spear, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that in a later sermon. Um, I love that's, Vivek. That's, that's Tales of Tamriel after dark material. Not yeah, clearly, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I I freaking love Vivek. He's actually one of my favorite characters in Elder Scrolls. Um, that magic hermaphrodite, he just he pulls at my heartstrings, man. I love Vivek. I absolutely. It actually, I'm kind of sad that it was a crown store item in order to get like the Vivek statue because or not crown store crown crate item to get the Vivek statue because I'm like, see mm-hmm. that's something that I really want. <laughs> I would absolutely rock of a Vex statue in my house. Are you kidding me? Absolutely, I would. Oh, love a Vec. Man. Yeah, I think everyone can tell that you love a Vec from the way you know everything about 36 lessons of the Vec. <laughs> including, including catching just three word modification <laughs> from memory. <laughs> 
what the hell? Time. Uh, that might be a that might have been a thing. Yes, that, that definitely might have been a uh, a thing where I I may have caught some <laughs> someone tampering the the Vivek scriptures tr- to try to trick me. So yeah. <laughs> Anyway, everyone needs to go and buy glowy plants. Going and buying glowy plants. I'm I'm saving up money for the Falkreath Hall, so... That's what I'm doing, too. And, uh, yeah, definitely. Gotta gotta get that Falkreath Hall. That's kind of my aim right now, is getting that bad boy. So, trying to get... Trying to save some money. Almost up to... Almost up to well six almost seven hundred thousand. Um, again, after Ark was so generous and sent me money, to which <laughs> I sent money to Rage. So you actually pretty much sent me the money that I sent to Rage uh, <laughs> because Rage sent me a message going, "Dude, I need some money to buy something uh, that he was after." Oh, he plants. I bet you he was. No, it was actually an item set of some kind, <laughs> and. I only had uh, a, a little bit of money, obviously. Not a little bit, but not as much as I once had, obviously. But I gave him whatever I could spare, because, I mean, it's it's uh, it's rage. So, of course, I gave him what I could spare. And uh, <laughs> so I gave him about half the money I had on me, which at that time was about 500000 Uh So you gave me back pretty much what I gave to him. <laughs> so now I'm pretty much back to where I was uh, uh, before, so... Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm oh, working my good. way through. We'll we'll get there. Yeah, you'll probably get there before me, but still. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. Because right now I'm just looking for a for a motif page, so that way I can. Uh, um. Oh, I wasn't even looking for motif that entire time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, Which I'm, one do you need? Uh, hourglass. Um, order of the hourglass, or something like that, or whatever it is. Because I'm uh, attempting to do a crafting uh, writ, so I'm just looking for shields. See what I can find. I uh, may have a of the hour. Let me log in and check in the meantime. Yeah, I'm gonna check too. Oh, nice. Well, anyway, continue your stories. Uh, that was. Um, I think that's it. Uh, PVP. Been doing some stuff with Storms and his American morning and my Australian evening. Okay. Um, that's pretty much it. Life will go back to normal. Once the events are over and I can continue on doing my normal stuff. So that will be good, actually. Yeah, true. I mean, that is definitely something that, you know, will get better as time goes on. Because once the event's going on, you know, that's pretty much all anyone's ever doing. Uh, mm-hmm. Ark, what about you, sir? Yeah. So, um, I did a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, I, I also did most of the PvP, which... Uh, I guess I'll talk about in highlights, like just the highlights. But before that, I did Veteran Crell of Shadows again, and it's still still a very tough dungeon. Also, I figured that my uh, build isn't working as well as I hoped it would, because most of the mechanics in Crell of Shadows is one shot, one kill, even if you have like crazy damage mitigation. Uh, so Parma Black build doesn't really work in Cradle of Shadows, <laughs> which, is why, which is why I'm trying to get a new build going. But yeah. uh, I'll talk about that as I, you know, progress. Yep. So uh, PvP. 
since the battlegrounds were bugged, I switched to Cyrodiil. And there are a few highlights that I want to mention. Okay. Now, there is, there was this battle of AD versus Ebonarch Pact that for lasted pretty much about entire night. Like, I checked it up every now and then, and it was still going the same way. Uh, between Castle Alessia and Castle Chalman, uh, Keep Chalman, there's a bridge that like, yep. ties both castles. Which, by the way... Um, yeah. That river, I know it's is full of slaughterfish. No matter how yep. small the body of water is in yep. Cyrodiil, there are slaughterfish. Beware. So if you fall, you die. And the oh, only yeah. other passage to Castle Alessia is the other bridges from the south, which is a long way. Mm -hmm. And if you try to get to those bridges, the AD will probably just rush through and get the... By the way, not Shalman, uh, the Blue Road Keep and uh, Sejanus Outpost. Anyway, so... Entire night, like I was there for the first couple hours, then I kept checking back and forth. Back, AP pushes to the castle, castle Alessia, gets pushed back. There's a battle at the bridge. We die, we get pushed back to Sejanus. Mm -hmm. Then we push AD back. There's a battle at the bridge. We kill AD and push for the castle Alessia. This kept on for the entire night. <laughs> they couldn't get Blue Road Keep. We couldn't get Castle Alessia. Entire night. Like, probably a hundred people. So that was one of the highlights. Then uh, our group just uh, separated from that uh, endless battle to, to grab our scrolls from the AD. Now, first scroll run went flawlessly. Mm -hmm. We stormed the castle. Everyone, like 25 people, almost everyone laid siege and because you have to be very fast when you are uh, going for the scroll to not get ambushed. Um, everyone laid siege, and the castle just went down pretty quickly, and we grabbed the scroll. And we ran all the way back to our uh, scroll temple. Of course, we got raided in the way a few times, but, uh, you know, people got separated from the group, the classic tactic to slow down the chasers and stuff like that, and everything worked perfectly. Then we went for the second scroll. And this guy, uh, and I was streaming this, this guy grabbed the scroll. And man, he didn't sprint once. <laughs> so he was just walking? Whenever he got, whenever he got 7k stamina, he cast, casts rapid maneuver. Okay. Even though we were casting it all the time anyway. And not once... He sprinted. Not once he holded that shift button down. Because I checked. I ran next to him. <laughs> all, all the people, like 20 people in the party were yelling, like, stop casting rapid sprint. And no, we tried zone chat. We tried all chat. We tried yell. We tried whispering him. We tried group chat. <laughs> every 7k stamina he gets, like every few seconds, he casts rapid and it was frustrating. We were, like, the party is screaming in the chat. People are making jokes like, oh, look, there's a tortoise there just passing next to us. <laughs> we were working so hard to delay the AD that was chasing us. Because, I mean, we, we were going slow, so they can catch up all the time. Like, we kill them, 
Right. They respawn and catch up us again all the time. So eventually we got the uh, scroll. But it was so frustrating. Mm. Not one. So, I mean... So that was one of the highlights, one of the frustrating highlights. <laughs> uh, then after that, uh, I still needed a few boxes. And okay. since the server got empty, like it was around... 4 or 5 a.m. at that point, and server was empty, so I wasn't able to get any keeps or anything. Yeah. Uh, so I decided to try and do the scout report uh, daily uh, scout report guests to because when you do the get quest, uh, not guest quest, uh, you get a box. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I also grabbed the um, capture a mine, capture resource quest as well, just because in case I found someone and we do it. I wasn't expecting to actually solar resources, but. What I found is, uh, because I failed sneaking, I had to actually engage the combat. I actually uh, solo captured the resource. Yep, I can do from that, that too. Point, yeah, from that point forward, I just uh, went ahead and started capturing resources for the quest and get my boxes the fast way. Yep. Yeah. Now, the highlight of this was, uh, I was capturing this resource, I don't remember which one, uh, deep into the AD territory, because that was the quest. I think it was Castle Brindle. Oh, I had that one too today. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's pretty much all the way on the uh, the far south you know, yep, side of yep. the triangle, just at the AD border, actually. Like, yep, yep. You can't really get any closer to AD without actually being in AD. <laughs> uh, so I was capturing it as usual, and there came two AD guys. Now, I was just one tick away from capturing the resource. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, since they have two people and I'm just one person, uh, it wouldn't tick, like, uh, because that's how it is in Battlegrounds. Yeah. Just as I was about to die, I actually captured the resource and all of the Ebonheart NPCs just spawned out of nowhere. <laughs> and suddenly, that one versus two combat turned into, like, ten versus two Yep. And, uh, I killed both of them. And then another guy came and I killed him too with the help of the NPCs. And suddenly, like, I probably had only one shot left in me. Like, and then I would be dead. And suddenly every NPC spawns. And there are healer NPCs too, which was awesome. And they just healed me, which I wasn't really expecting. And suddenly the ties turned and with the blessing of Talos to come. Although he's not here yet. Not yet born, baby Talos. Yep, yep. And I actually thrived in that combat and got my Starmate star uh, title with that combat. So that was the highlight of my PvP nights. Other than that, what do I have? What did I do? Oh, well, uh, as I mentioned, the lore lecture stream from uh, Ophelia Neuer was about a lore quiz she was going to do for a giveaway of Morrowind Physical Collector's Edition. Obviously, I joined. Yeah. And even though it was all Morrowind lore that I had zero idea about, <laughs> I almost made it to the final round thanks to our um, lore discussions and Vivek lessons. So I just wanted to mention that as well. It was great. So I, I actually knew most of the questions. And the question that I failed in uh, getting to the final round is, uh, was this, 
whose idea was it to use the heart of Lorcan? First, I thought, okay, this has to be sort of sealed with his, you know, crazy ideas. And, you know, he's an engineer and scientist of Tamriel. So yeah. I thought if anyone was going with this idea, it has to be sort of sealed. <laughs> and Vivek is obviously half, he was obviously half against it. Yeah. Then I thought, but they all used it, and I'm not sure about Almalexia. And even if Vivek was half against it, it doesn't mean he didn't have part in the idea itself. So I picked it was the idea of Vivek Almalexia and Sorasil. And I think that was the question that made me not go through the final. But yeah. So I'm, who, I'm, I'm, so who was it? Did they say who it was? Uh, it was Sorasil. Yeah, it was yeah. Sorasil. Yeah. Alright. Yeah, I was curious. I'm like, you were right on it when you first said it. I'm like, uh... Oh, I backed away. I, I, ch I changed my answer. Yeah. I thought it myself, and... Yeah, it's I... because of Vivek. That Vivek, I tell the you. Lamp. The lamp. The, the magic hermaphrodite. <laughs> Warrior poet himself. Collector's edition and all. <laughs> he always, uh... always calls the problems, I tell you. And I think that's that's pretty much it. Okay. Uh, well, for me, uh, it was PvP. Who would have thought? <laughs> um, because obviously, I wanted that that wreath. Which, if you're looking at the stream right now, guess who guess who has it? I guess I should probably pull up my inventory because then, oh, look at that! Oh, it's so beautiful. See that that laurel crown that I wanted so badly that I got now. So I'm very happy about. Um, yeah, I did a lot of PvP this week, a lot in order to get it, and I do gotta, get, you know, thank Arkanir for the tip on the the message or the the daily quest because that was actually the thing that I was stuck on the longest. My first battleground that I ever did was a win, so I know a lot of people were stuck on that quest. Now I didn't start battlegrounds until after like most of mine has been solo capturing imperial city stuff like i've just been running around imperial city capturing the districts by myself uh, and that's how i've been earning a lot of the stuff but it was actually the boxes that were my biggest hurdle right like just trying to get all the boxes um so i was running around trying to get all that and just i'm also i'm not real high in levels but i'm high enough that i don't get boxes as often as i used to so i'm still mm -hmm. not really sure if the boxes are done by like a percentage of whatever your current rank is or if it's a set amount or what but it feels a lot slower maybe it, it could also just be the fact that you know i'm trying to pay attention to these things and maybe yeah. that's why it felt slower i don't really know i don't know the answer but that was obviously my my holdup point for all of this was those boxes, um, specifically because like I'm gonna pull up my achievements here. Like I was doing pretty darn good in the in year mayhem. Like battlegrounds, pretty much. I didn't start battlegrounds. I got everything else, capturing the keep, imperial city districts, all that other stuff was easy for me. Very very easy um, to do right away. The opponents, I got mostly in Battlegrounds, but actually I shouldn't say that. I got about half in Battlegrounds. The rest of it was me soloing in the Imperial City, one versus, you know, two or three people at a time to get everything. So I do have my Star Maiden Knight, but my big issue was the the Pelinel's mid-year boon boxes, getting all of those. Because, you know, you get them with your rewards of the worthy boxes, uh, 
or emails or messages or whatever you want to call it. But those were the hardest thing for me to get. Now, while I was doing PvP and doing the battlegrounds, uh, a few of the achievements I got, like quadruple kill. So now I have the merciless title because I earned four Ooh. kills while defeating four opponents in a team deathmatch within 10 seconds of each other. Uh, that was a one-on-four battle, me versus all of them. <laughs> uh, so that was that was fun. Uh, tactician, help a team capture both relics within 10 seconds of each other. Again. I have that too, but I don't know how I got it. I can't even get from my I was carrying a relic within 10 seconds. Another guy was carrying a relic. So pretty much what we did was we ran as a group. We had... Uh, oh, it counts that as well. Yeah, I carried okay. one, and another guy carried one, and we traveled as a group, <coughs> and we cleared it out, uh, and then we just ran them back. So we ran together. Uh, Battleground Butcher, win a team deathmatch with 500 points before any other team reaches 200. So, I mean, that was pretty much, and I got a title, Battleground Butcher, off of that. Uh, Claim Staker, seize at least four capture points without dying. That was Ooh. That was interesting. Uh, Battleground Dominator capture all four capture points simultaneously in a Dominion match. So we had all the flags were ours, um, and then the the other the other achievements are you know that I the only other achievement I got was uh, Steady Centaurian earn your first Steady Centaurian medal by taking at least two hundred fifty thousand damage in a single Dominion match. So I think I'm using the Paragon. Like I don't remember what it is though. Right. Like it was something but i don't but, remember what as you can see a lot of my uh my and those were the first times i was doing battlegrounds so i was uh i was rocking those battlegrounds so i was pretty excited about that i didn't have any issues once i started doing those it was just a matter of getting them done um but then i ran into the issue of getting all those boxes and i think uh as of this morning i still had i think i was at 18 of 25 to go as of this morning and i'm like i don't you know like today i had the show and then i you know i was playing with my son in the morning uh so i didn't have a lot of time and i'm sitting there thinking monday this event's gone so like by the time you guys are listening to this podcast because this will be released probably tuesday uh it's it's not gonna be like the event's over so um if you're watching live go do those uh, daily quests, man. Those daily quests and are. And glowy plants. Hmm. And buy the glowy plants. And buy glowy plants. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's pretty much where I'm sitting. Like it, it, I was doing those, and that's how I got. Uh, Ark saved my bacon at this point. Otherwise, I'd probably <laughs> still be farming battlegrounds. In fact, that was actually what I was going to be doing for this stream, had I not listen to arc and the one time you know that he was right for the sean on you i'm just kidding he's been right before <laughs> i have to i have to give arc a hard time i love uh, you arc. yeah i love arc too he's the best but you know arc arc definitely got this event for me because if i wouldn't have known that i was like you know as soon as he told me that and i did them and i got them oh i just kept picking up the scout missions and that's all i did scout <laughs> scout or scout and capture order resources i just did those two and then i'd port back I'd get, grab the grab them again, do them again, grab them again. So that's how I finished it this morning, like just by running back and forth, 
doing those quests. So Ark Ark saved my bacon and got me uh, the last the last things I needed uh, by giving me that tip. Because otherwise, I would not have known that. I honestly would not have known that. So thank you, Ark. I really appreciate it. Problem. So that that definitely helped me get everything that I needed. So obviously that's all I've been doing in ESO th- this this week because well, I mean that's kind of been the main focus, right? <laughs> Is uh, everyone's been doing PvP um, now? I I I have been running around in Cyrodiil like doing some keep stuff, and I gotta admit, man, there's there's something about Cyrodiil that's just. I was doing it for a bit and now I'm sitting there going, I really kind of feel like doing more PVP, you know, just, just jumping in there and really doing more Cyrodiil as a whole, not, mm-hmm. not Imperial city or anything like that, but I mean, literally going for the, you know, the emperor type thing. Um, so well, maybe, maybe I, I might do that one, one day when, when Thais and, and my son are away and I have vacation at the beginning of a week, I may do an Emperor run or two just to go nuts. But who knows? We'll think about it. I won't see a Templar on the throne, Ag. <laughs> a Sexplar <laughs> on the throne. Yeah. A Sexplar on the throne, yeah. I'm going to go DC and just block you. <laughs> <laughs> Rally the forces of King Emeric. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So when when you have to bow to the sexplar as your emperor, just be prepared. Not going to happen. Just saying, it's gonna happen. Uh, that no. reminds me. Also, also in the event, I finished all of the Imperial City sewer quest line and the Overland. Every single little find the person, take this to this person, the other side of the zone. I've done all of them too. So I have cleared. The entire Cyrodiil map. Oh, wow. Out of all those weeks that I was running Imperial City and uh, Storms has been running Imperial City, you've only just now finished the main quest? Well, because, you know why? Because you run those on your Thursday night and I'm at work. <sighs> time zone is proven. Well, time zone <laughs> sucks, so... <laughs> But see, you kind of proved my point. You're damned if you do, if damned if you don't. If we were on a, a pay-only server, it really wouldn't matter if I was on that server and you were on the normal one. We still don't mesh up in time most <laughs> of the time anyway. So, points made. Yeah, so I, I got you. I, I hear you. Um, but, yeah, no, congrats. I, I really do love the Imperial City. It's actually one of my fa- It's Well, obviously, it's like my favorite zone. I love the zone. Um, just the whole idea of the zone is, is amazing to me. And I, I, I absolutely love it. So, um, definitely something that, uh, you know, I, I love going back in and, and doing all the time. Uh, but there, there's something I gotta say, there definitely is something about Cyrodiil itself, taking those keeps, standing up on those ramparts, shooting my arrows down at people. It, it was, it was, it was pretty nice. I really did enjoy myself. And maybe sometime in the future, I may actually, you know, do some real attempts at real PvP, you know, and see how it goes. And just, you know, we'll see. I don't know. That's one of those things, in order for me to really go for anything, I would need the time to do it. Mm Because, you know, obviously, Emperor's not something that you 
do casually. That's something where yeah. you... I mean, I know Nerdman and his wife, they just got Emperor a little while ago, and he's pretty much like, yeah, it sucks. Because, you know, <laughs> the amount of time you have to put in, like, you just don't sleep. You don't, you don't, yep. you don't leave Cyrodiil ever. <laughs> and, and that's kind of, kind of where you have to roll in order to actually, you know, get that far uh, for Emperor. So, uh, I don't know. It is what it is. So, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed it, but it, it definitely made me want to, you know, to go out in Cyrodiil and, and really start working my way through it. And that also makes me go, man, I really need to get a better PvP build together. Because while my PvP build, I wasn't even running a PvP build for the majority of this. I kind of was like, man, I really should put some points around and mess around with some different points and try to work on a nice PvP build for, you know, for dungeons and things like that in the future. Or for uh, trot or uh, PvP in the future, so uh, I'll start working on that. All right, guys, I think that is about all we've got for today. Uh, so I guess uh, Blood Eye, where can people find you in game? Anything you want to say before we end the show? Uh, no, good show. Happy hundred and fiftieth. Well done. Nice. Um, in game at Blood Hyphen I and in discord as robot dancer nice and arcaneer well pretty much anywhere that says arcaneer that is a-r-k-h-a-n-i-i-r uh you can find me on twitter you can find me on twitch i've been streaming more regularly so if you want to come hang out and chat that is twitch.tv slash arcaneer and if you want to contact me, best way is either through Twitter or if you have something long type, more than 140 characters, arcaneer at gmail.com. Also, you can follow my work at uh, arcaneer.com. There you go. Email one, but the website. Nice. And that's about it. Cool. Uh, obviously, you can follow me at Agelos, A-G-G-E-L-O-S underscore W-F on Twitter, in-game at Agelos, A-G-G-E-L-O-S that's where I am pretty much everywhere. That's the name I take everywhere I go. So that's where you can find me. Uh, even which something we didn't talk about, TES Legends, which you'll have to save for next week, Ark, because that's oh, something right. we forgot yeah. to talk about. So let's make sure we mark that down. Uh, mm-hmm. You follow everything we do, DungeonCrawlerNetwork.com, YouTube.com slash DungeonCrawlerNetwork, Twitch.tv slash DungeonCrawlerNetwork, Facebook, Twitter at DungeonCrawlNet. And, of course, patreon.com slash Network For those who wish to support us, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate everyone who even goes out and downloads this show every single week. Our numbers continually go up every week, and it just amazes me. Every time I get the uh, reports showing the amount of people who have downloaded the show, it's, it, it just blows my mind, and I, I really do appreciate cool. it. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tales of Tamriel. And we will see you next time. Everyone have a wonderful night. And we'll see you next week in Tamriel. See you later. See ya. Bye. When Akatosh slew Lorcan, he ripped his heart right out. He hurled it across Tamriel, and the heart was heard to shout. Red diamond, red diamond. The heart and soul of men Red diamond, red diamond Protect us till the end
The laughing heart sprayed blood afar, a gout on Sirid fell, and like a dart shot to its mark down in an alien well. Magic effused the Lorcan blood to crystal red and strong. Then wild elves cut and polished it down to chimel at a ball. Red diamond, red diamond, the heart and soul of men. Red diamond, red diamond, protect us till the end. When elves lost Nern to men, Akatosh gave the stone. To Saint Alesh in token of her right to sit the throne. Red diamond, red diamond, the heart and soul of men. Red diamond, red diamond, protect us till the end. Red diamond, red diamond, protect us till the end.